AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the crop insurance industry. With increasing commodity prices, higher price volatility, and rising input costs, America's farmers and ranchers are relying on crop insurance more now than ever before to provide individualized protection and to secure operating loans. Protecting 295 million acres of farmland and more than 120 commodities across the U.S., crop insurance is the primary safety net for many farmers, enabling them to supply our country with food and fiber year after year. Crop insurance, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. Our guest is Jonathan Schreier. Special Representative for Global Food Security, uh, acting with the State Department and Deputy Coordinator of Diplomacy at a program called Feed the Future. Jonathan, after that long title, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Thank you. Delighted to be here. I'd like to have you encapsulate, if you would, what Feed the Future uh, is really trying to do. When did that get started? It really got started when President Obama came into office and said in his first inaugural address, that the United States was intent on responding to the challenge of global hunger. And just a couple of months later, President Obama said that we would have a new U.S. global hunger and food security initiative. And after a bit of thought and work, that became Feed the Future, which is a whole of government, meaning that we have 10 agencies of the U.S. government working hard on this problem, led by the U.S. Agency for International Development, uh, and it's a, uh, a, a comprehensive approach to f- fighting hunger and undernutrition and th- in doing that, reducing global poverty around the world. It is of interest to me to note that since 2008, when we moved into the recession, many people were worried about hunger uh, in the United States and have had quite a political fight over this since that point, uh, wondering that we might even have forgotten about it in other areas that are so much more desperate than we are. What continents and what level of countries are you trying to um, address with this program? Um, you're right that, that that period of 2008, uh, 2009, was a hard time in economies around the world. It, it was a, also a really hard time for hunger. Uh, there are estimates that showed the number of hungry people in the world perhaps breaking the one billion mark for the first time globally. Now uh, um, we've worked things down to the point where there are only, and it's a horrible thing to think uh, that it's only 842 million people who are estimated to be chronically hungry around the world. Um, But that's still one in eight people in the world that goes to bed hungry each night. Can you define what the level of that is? I mean, what is hungry? Is it the inability to truly progress to their full potential? Uh, What is your definition of hunger? That definition of hunger is largely on a calorie availability basis, and it means that uh, there are roughly that many people in the world who don't have regular, reliable access to enough calories to get by. Um, and, uh, um, and the problem gets even worse when you look at the challenge of undernutrition, because it's one thing for people to be able to fill their bellies with uh, uh, staple foods, um, but getting all the right micronutrients necessary for a healthy life um, can remain a challenge. And so uh, the, the best indicator of undernutrition, or the worst, is child stunting. 
That's when a child is shorter than they should be by age five. And when we look at that number, we find that one in four children in the world under age five is stunted. That's 165 million children in the world. And, and, and that's just a, a, a terrible thing to think about. But we're responding by trying to do something about it. And you asked me uh, uh, where Feed the Future is working. What we did was we, we uh, took a look at places in the world where there was a serious hunger problem, where we could do something about it because we had the right assets from the U.S. government in place, and where the country was ready to take a leadership role in solving its own problems um, and, and ready to make the, the kinds of changes and investments needed in agriculture especially, but across, the, across food systems and across nutritional uh, responses to uh, make, make a dent in the problem. What continents are you on? You know, we've identified 19 countries that are spread across primarily Africa. That's where the largest concentration of countries are, um, but also Asia and Western Hemisphere, Latin America and the Caribbean. And in these 19 countries, um, we've established very precise strategies for what it is that we want to do. And those strategies are lined up against the country's own priorities for solving their hunger and undernutrition problem. And so we're, we're not trying to come in with some outside solution to the problem. We're helping countries succeed in their own solutions to the problem because that's the only way we can make sure that we're really working in partnership with the people and communities that we're trying to help. So the American farmer and agribusiness shipping food into these countries is not necessarily an answer to their hunger problem. Oh, well, that it, it, certainly trade is an important part of the answer. So trade, making sure that there uh, is uh, that, that, that global trading systems are, are, are free and fair um, and making sure that there are as few barriers to trade and agricultural goods is absolutely a part of the, uh, the, the solution to global hunger. We also help uh, um, farmers, uh, especially small-scale farmers in, in the countries in which we work, improve their agricultural productivity. Um, we, we, we do that uh, with, with new technologies, and so far Feed the Future has reached 7 million farmers across the 19 countries in which we work um, who have adopted improved agricultural technologies and cropping techniques. Um, and we've also reached uh, 12 million children uh, and, uh, with nutrition interventions, again, to help uh, work down that problem of malnutrition. Is this Farm Bill going to have any elements that will be beneficial to uh, solving this hunger problem worldwide? Uh, we certainly hope so. The administration has been working hard with Congress to come up with a, an effective Farm Bill that uh, improves the, uh, the, the situation for America's farmers. Um, while also helping helping uh, helping the world, um, so we sure hope so. How does agribusiness and a farmer in the United States truly reach out at this point to be able to alleviate hunger halfway around the world? There there are a number of ways. I mean, first of all, uh, America's farmers are often innovators and have come up with um, uh, better ways of farming, better ways of processing uh, um, uh, harvests, and uh, so that that, that uh, um, harvests are, uh, are are preserved, so that they can get to to market uh, rather than spoiling. Um, and so there are ways that these sorts of innovations can be spread around the world. 
Um, one of those ways is um, a, a program uh, known as the, um, the, the John Oganowski and Doug B. Ryder Farmer to Farmer program. And that's a, 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 a program that was uh, authorized by Congress in the mid-1980s um, and has been reauthorized uh, annually since uh, that, that relies on the expertise of volunteers from U.S. farms, land-grant universities, farm cooperatives, private agribusinesses, or nonprofit farm organizations to help in foreign countries, to help farmers there and farm organizations there, and individuals, including American farmers, um, uh, can uh, take time to participate in this effort. Um, and and the, these volunteers can go and, and provide new ways of, of, of farming, new ways of managing dairy operations, um, new ways of, of managing uh, um, uh, forestry operations um, to improve productivity, to improve the, the benefits and, and profits for, for the farmers in these uh, poor countries abroad. One of the tools that's available today is biotechnology because it seems like it could solve some problems in some of these countries on nutrition and growing a crop in an unfavorable environment. How do you think biotech fits into your Feed the Future initiative for food security? Agricultural biotechnology is a valuable tool. It's one of many technological tools that we have to, to help improve the productivity of, of, uh, of farming, to help improve, uh, including in the, in the face of a changing global climate. Uh, it, it's also one of the tools we have for improving the nutritional profile of, of, of foods. Um, it, it's part of a package of, of technologies that we, we have access to, things like conservation tillage, drip irrigation, micro-irrigation, integrated pest management, um, various cropping practices um, that have raised the efficiency and productivity of agriculture over the last decade. And so, uh, you know, we've got a big challenge ahead of us to feed these 842 million people that I mentioned who are hungry today. We've got another, we expect to have another uh, um, roughly a billion people join us on this planet, um, well, another two billion really, to join us on this planet um, by the middle of the century so that we'll have more than nine billion people up from seven billion today um, uh, to, to, to feed. We need all the tools in our toolkit, including biotechnology is one of those tools. And uh, you're right that biotechnology can be a, a powerful tool for developing crops that are more uh, drought tolerant, more heat tolerant, more saline tolerant if, if seawater flooding uh, enters into farming areas um, and, and more generally flood tolerant crops. Um, uh, the, these, these crops can also be more resilient to pests, which reduces the need for chemical pesticides. Uh, um, which, uh, when misapplied, can be uh, hazardous to the health of the farmers that are that are trying to make use of them. Um, so, uh, um, you know, there are environmental benefits, there are health benefits, and so on that can be gained through the use of biotechnology. And we've also seen uh, um, uh, new crops that have better nutritional profiles, as I mentioned, including. Um, uh, rice that has pro-vitamin A, that is vitamin A precursors grown into it, or uh, fortified bananas, uh, biofortified bananas that, that have been developed through the use of biotechnology. So it's one of the key options that we have available to help 
uh, develop improved crops and improved farming practices uh, for, uh, based on, on, on improved crops um, that, that we have available to us through uh, uh, Feed the Future. But at the same time, we recognize that each country needs to make its own decisions about whether to use agricultural biotechnology, uh, and if so, how to set up an effective regulatory system. When a country does want to um, uh, go down the path of using uh, biotechnology, we have programs that can help them develop those kinds of sound regulatory systems that are, that are needed to, to apply these technologies safely. Um, but we know that this is a safe technology because we, we've got 15 years of uh, experience here in the U.S. and in other places um, with these products um, uh, that have proven to be safe, uh, as safe as any other food product in the market. And we know that um, the United States is certainly not alone in applying biotechnology. There are uh, 27 other countries around the world, some in Europe, um, uh, some in, in Africa, some in, in Latin America, um, and, and across Asia that are using these crops, uh, uh, using crops that have been improved through the application of agricultural biotechnology. So, so this is absolutely part of the toolkit and a valuable part. Jonathan Schreier from Feed the Future and the State Department. Thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the crop insurance industry, providing peace of mind now and for the next generation of agriculture. I'm Ken Root.